you start to see where you have philosophical mismatches with people where you're like, that's a nice person. We just don't see the world the same way. Mm -hmm. And that's why we keep bumping into these things. I'm giving myself permission to just not tell them we should catch up again next month if I don't really mean that. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're gonna help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're gonna help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're gonna be allowed to focus on the things that are most important like business growth and operations not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're gonna help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Bob Glazer. How you doing, Bob? Hey, Joe. How are you? I am doing well and welcome to the show. And best ever listeners, first off, hope you're having a wonderful weekend because today is Sunday have a special segment for you called Skill Set Sunday. And by the end of this conversation, you will have a model for how to raise performance in your life and maybe understand certain parts that are out of alignment. With us today to talk about capacity building and what the four elements of it are is Bob. And Bob's the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners, a global performance marketing agency. And he helps others build their capabilities or capacities and raise their personal and professional performance based in Massachusetts. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners first 
a little bit about your background and your focus, and then let's roll right into capacity building. Sure. My background is that of an entrepreneur. Eventually, I started two businesses actually 13 years ago. Acceleration Partners has gone on to become a 180-person global marketing services firm. We work with a lot of enterprise clients and help them build partnership programs. That's my day job. My night job is I've always renovated, knocked down, tore down places that we've lived along the way and done some real estate stuff on the side as well. But one of the things that I started a couple of years ago was an email to my team every Friday about ideas around getting a little bit better. And I thought I'd started sending into the weekend and it really wasn't about work. It was about improvement. We were growing a lot and I felt like we would need to keep our team growing if, if people, we weren't going to outgrow people. That email that I started sending to 30 to 40 people they started sharing it with colleagues, friends, and families. And a couple of years later, it was 100,000 people in 60 countries. And that led me to, it's called Friday Forward today. And that led me to sort of look at the themes of these and why these notes were having an impact on people I hadn't met, a lot of the changes I made in my life, and also how we had invested in people holistically and they'd grown with the business. And that all led to the same four elements of capacity building. That was the same pattern I had seen in my life in those situations and across every high performer I had met. Hmm. Well, that's phenomenal to have an email that gets sent out to 100,000 people. And I want to talk to you about your business and then we'll talk about what I teed up earlier because I'm personally curious about your business. But with that email real quick, what's your open rate? It's tricky. I think the open's about 30 and that's what I can track. I know a lot of them are reposted in Slack channels and are sent through companies. Mm -hmm. So that's the individual open rate from a percentage, but each one, sometimes I can see that it might be forwarded even 500 or a thousand times. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. So you have 30,000 people at minimum opening up the email. Yeah. It's, a, it's syndicated on LinkedIn week. where I was one of the first people to join their new series program. And I have uh, 180,000 members of that series. Mm -hmm. So it also goes to all those people on Fridays as well. Wow. In addition to the 30,000. Yeah. In addition to the emails. I don't know the exact reach, but at this point it's over a hundred thousand. It's a safe, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's safe to say that and you're, you're, yeah. you're definitely covered. All right. Well, I do want to learn more about your company first, and then we'll roll into the other stuff. So when I'm on your site, I click, how can we help you? And then what we do, and it's affiliate program evaluation. So what exactly do you do for companies? We help brands set up these affiliate or partner programs where they partner with the people that you normally buy advertising from, people that have influence, audiences, otherwise. And instead of paying them for the advertising, they agree on a percentage or an outcome that they would have. And we track the whole thing and then they're paid on a successful completion. So for the company, you're actually paying your marketing after you get a sale. Amazon's got one of the biggest affiliate programs in the world. So you think about a lot of podcasts that I'm on, you put a link to my book, you could join Amazon's affiliate program and get 8% of everyone who buys my book off your site after listening to the episode. That's what an affiliate program looks like. Right. So that's an affiliate program. I think a lot of people know what affiliate program is, but what do you do exactly? What do we, we help build and manage those programs for really large brands, like programs that have hundreds or thousands of partners in them. They're very resource intensive. So we're out there recruiting and managing, and we're an agency that focuses in helping global brands like eBay, Adidas, otherwise build those programs. Okay. So you find the affiliate partners and then you manage the payment and the structure for how they're compensated and 
Yeah, we work sure with that, a software that handles the actual payment, but yeah, we would help design the strategy and the right. incentives and stay in touch with them every day. And mm-hmm. most companies can't support a program with 10,000 partners that run seven days a week and people need stuff 24 seven. So mm-hmm. we've built a company to do that. Got it. And what's your fee structure doing that? We usually charge the fixed plus performance, so we can track exactly the performance of all these programs, but the Mm -hmm. determinant of our team size is how big the program is, what countries they want to be in, where they want language coverage. So there's some basic costs for setting that up. So it's usually a hybrid model of a fixed fee plus upside in the performance of the program. Okay. And last question on that is, what is the threshold in order for you all to work with a group or an event or an organization because listeners for this podcast might not be the CEO of Coca-Cola, but they might have a very large following and are looking to host something where they could use these types of services. Yeah. So we always say people can reach out to us. We have a network of people that cover stuff that may not be a right fit for us. Most of the companies we're working with are doing an excess of 10 million in sales online. And that starts to have the kind of economics where the types of programs that we run make sense, where they really want kind of a halftime person, at least kind of setting up and running that program. Got it. So let's talk about capacity building and the four elements of it. I'm just repeating words, capacity building. I don't even know what it is. You don't know what it is. <laughs> but I know, right, well, I, I, know I can give, you the, I can give you the long answer and the short answer. Right? Okay. So I, I think the long answer I like is the method by which individuals seek to acquire and develop the skills and ability to consistently perform at a higher level in pursuit of their innate potential. Mm-hmm. And the short answer, I think, is just actually how you get better. And also, it sounds like the seeking part is important too, right? You got to Yeah, I mean it starts with. So so would it be helpful to run through the four elements? It would. And these go in a specific order. So the first is spiritual capacity, and that is not religion, but it's about understanding who you are, what you want, and the standards you sort of want to live and operate by personally and professionally. This really manifests itself in understanding your core values and even your purpose or your why. And you got to know where you're going and what your compass is. And I think to me, and we just did this with two days with a bunch of leaders in our company and a lot of epiphanies on when people can really understand their core values. A lot of things start to make sense to them about why things are working or not working in their life and feel good or don't feel good. So that's sort of the direction. Intellectual capacity for me is what you want and then how do you get it? So this is how you learn to improve your ability to think, learn, plan, and execute with discipline. Things like having a growth mindset, being proactive, setting short and long-term goals, establishing routines and habit and having accountability. It's really the discipline piece of going after what you want. Physical, we understand that more, right? I lift the weight every day for a few weeks and eight weeks later, I can lift more weight. The same is true in all of these things. It's more of a intellectual exercise than a physical. So physicals, your health, well-being, physical performance, how we get sleep, managing stress, embracing competition, building resilience. And then the last one's emotional capacity. And that's really how you react to challenging situations, your emotional mindset, and the quality of relationships around you. If the first three are really about you, emotional is like how you interact with the rest of the world, which is people and also things that you don't control. For instance, mm-hmm. If it's going to rain tomorrow, are you someone who is stressed looking at your weather app, bemoaning that it's going to rain tomorrow, or do you just bring a freaking umbrella and move on with the day? It's a very different use of energy, people who are able to focus on controlling what they can control and not the things that they don't control. Okay. So I understand 
each of those spiritual intellectual physical emotional now what do we do with this information this is the premise behind my latest book elevate and talking about how to identify them and some exercise in these things so if we're starting with the beginning kind of give you an example of each one Spiritual, if you can't articulate your core values, there's some exercise and thing on how to do that. I think it becomes the most important things if you can say, these are my core values, you can put them on a desk as decisions, opportunities, partnerships, other things come in front of you and you're able to use that as a litmus test, your decision-making will get so much better. Mm, <laughs> um, yep, understand so, that. So, so that's the one thing you can do in spiritual. I'll, I'll give an example or two in each one. So intellectual two things I think are really important to me is a sort of goal setting alignment. So I think a lot of us do goal setting. We do one year goal setting and we kind of hit them all. They just may not be the right things. One of the things that I've really learned, I've seen with people, is they reverse engineer their most important goals. So they take a five or a 10 year goal and they turn it into their one year goal and then their quarterly pieces and the things that they want to get done. And then they constantly realign around that so that they're getting the things done that are most important to them. Also really establishing for most people a morning routine or habits where they get up in the day, they don't watch the news, they don't check their phone, they sit down, they read, they write, they think, and they focus on what are those three most important things that I can do today? Because those are towards my quarterly goal. If I get my quarterly goal done, I'll be towards my annual goal. And these are the people who are getting the big things done where other people are getting lots of things off their checklist done, but aren't really moving any of the big things forward. Mm -hmm. On the physical side, I think we're all pretty stressed out more than need to be. We're using our fight or flight mechanism all day long. One of the tips, finding some sort of event that you want to do, whether it's a 5K or it's a Spartan or it's a Olympic triathlon and just paying the deposit fee. I have found that that is one of the single greatest motivators to force people. They have gym memberships they don't go to, whatever, but signing up for something and maybe something they haven't done before and that physically challenges them, they sign up, they're forced to do the work, they feel better, they accomplish that, and then they're like, huh, I can do that. Maybe I should sign up for a harder one. And this sort of interplay between physical and emotional too, of, of resilience of you do something you don't think you can do. And then it changes your psyche about what you can do next. When someone signs up for a Spartan race, why do you think giving that deposit is more incentive for them to reach their goals versus a gym membership in January that they sign up for to be physically fit? as you mentioned, because a lot of people don't follow through with the gym membership. The motivation actually wanes. So you sign up for the gym and you pay the money and then the motivation kind of oh, wanes. Yep, yep. I think the reverse is true in these cases where as the deadline looms and that obligation so looms, you feel really more committed and you have something specific that you're working for. So goals need to be specific, measurable, there's a SMART acronym, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. And there's something about paying for the thing and just committing to do it that covers all of those because I have the time, I know what it is. For example, for me, one of my core values is health and vitality, but I also like doing different things and I like trying new things. So I've merged those. So by picking an event every year, that's a challenge, but that also me doing it results in training for four months that makes me healthier. Kind of one of those examples of alignment where I'm kind of getting everything that I want versus mm -hmm. joining the gym can feel like the accomplishment yep. <laughs> rather than yep. going to the gym each day. 
It's a great point. And the crazy thing is the actual value to me, other than the psychological value of finishing that race that day, the value is actually in all the training. It's not in the day, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. all the work that has to go into getting there. And emotional capacity? So there's a couple tricks here. One we did this week with a group that I find super helpful is to make a list of three different types of relationships. And what are the ones that you really need to develop in your life for personal or professional success? Which are the ones that are really productive, but you're not giving a lot of time to and you want to double down on? And the third is the ones you need to start walking away from and that mm -hmm. are your asset allocation is off. Spending more time with your underperforming assets. And I think a big trick I learned is that you don't have to break up or have a whole thing. You just need to apply less time. And when you put them in front of you and you say, oh, you know, Joe's a guy I want to get to know, but I haven't invited Joe to do anything in months. And I look at that list and I say, Joe, let's grab a drink next week. And now suddenly Joe is on my schedule. So I think that's a really easy way to start shifting your relationships away from ones that maybe have run its course towards ones that can help you get to where you want to go. And surround yourself with the right people. The Jim Rome quote, if you're the smartest person in the room, it's probably time to switch rooms. Mm -hmm. And when you made that list for the whole audience, who are the people you listed as you want to walk away from? So I actually was leading this uh, exercise. <laughs> so other, other, I have done this in the past. Other people have done it, but it was professional relationships. It was personal ones where I was like, I like the people. One of the interesting things is that as you hone in on your core values, you start to see where you have philosophical mismatches with people where you're like, that's a nice person. We just don't see the world the same way. Mm -hmm. And that's why we keep bumping into these things. I'm giving myself permission to just not tell them we should catch up again next month if I don't really mean that. A lot of people, I would say, those lists had a lot of family on it. They had a lot of relationships in the family that were just draining to them. The definition mm -hmm. of an energy vampire is someone you feel worse after spending time with you actually walk away and feel worse rather than energized. And look, for some of those, those are close family relationships. What they're not saying is, oh, I'm never going to talk to this person again. Or I'm going to blow it up. But like, you know what? It's time for me to maybe move my hand away from the candle a little bit and put it elsewhere. When someone is going through this process and they're reading Elevate, your book, or they've read through it, what is, uh, uh, oh, you know what you answered earlier, there is a specific linear process. So spiritual would be first then. Yeah, I can give you all kinds of what happens when you're really weak in one and or otherwise. But there's a lot of people out there, probably a lot of listeners where if they don't have clarity on the spiritual capacity, they actually may be really good on intellectual, physical and emotional. They are achieving at a high level, doing all this stuff, running a million miles an hour, doing really well at something that fundamentally doesn't make them happy. They're living someone else's definition of success really well. They sort of achieve but aren't happy. The whole notion of the alignment in this framework is that if you're getting what you want most, it should provide a deep sense of achievement. I know a lot of people who are doing really well in things that don't make them happy at all. When you have this conversation with groups and people, what are some objections or challenges that they come across when trying to really deep dive and embrace this and act on it? I don't think there are any holistic ones. So I talk a lot about morning routine. A lot of time there's parents in there. And we modeled this in this offsite the last two days because there were a lot of these parents with little kids. And they'd say, I get it. I get it. You're saying, get up in the morning. Don't be reactive. Don't turn my phone on the news, but I've got kids. They're in my room. They're screaming, all this stuff. And we tried this. I said, okay, because they stayed in a hotel. I said, they got up in the morning. They got out of bed. They did not turn on their phone. 
they read for 10 minutes, they wrote for 10 minutes, and they just sat quietly for 10 minutes. Then we all did a workout for half an hour. Then we all came back, got breakfast and started the day. And everyone was, I feel so much better today. I woke up, it wasn't crazy. I was focused on offense. And the parent people with the kids, what I said is, look, it'd be lovely to have an hour and do this and get up earlier. But if your kids are waking you at 545, obviously you're not psyched to get up at 445. What I've challenged everyone in this group and previous groups is get up 15 minutes earlier. If your kids are your alarm, get up 15 minutes earlier, make your coffee, write something in a journal, have that 15 minutes, see how you feel. They have all told me it is a massive difference. And that again, waking up to someone coming and yelling at you, it's just not a great way to start your day. <laughs> and if it's 15 minutes, then how do you divide up the 15 minute chunk of time you could even break those same things up um, five five and five yeah five five and five this notion of habit stacking so if if you have coffee every day and you've never written in a journal and you just say look i'm actually gonna buy something like the five minute journal which takes five minutes and i'm gonna do the that journal while my coffee is brewing right that becomes part of my routine. i'm gonna go down turn on the coffee Mm. i'm gonna take five minutes to just kind of write check in for the day and then my coffee's done. You've actually combined something that you're already doing. Anything that we haven't talked about as it relates to capacity building that you think we should in this conversation? Just only that I think we all get out of balance in these areas. They're really interconnected and it's important to sort of be aware of that. So take physical as an example, right? So if I'm really stressed, I'm not getting a lot of sleep, I'm exhausted, that affects my ability to learn intellectual capacity. It affects my discipline. I'm less patient with people. So it affects my relationships because I'm sort of cranky. So I think it's just a little bit of an awareness of sometimes where we're off. These things always go out of balance, but you meet someone at a party and they can tell you their core value and their core purpose. They have long-term goals, short-term goals, a morning routine, an accountability group. They're exercising. They're getting a good amount of sleep and they're eating well and they have really great relationships in their life that are positive and have eliminated a lot of people in life. Most of those people are going to be crushing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not going to meet a lot of people who are doing all those things and floundering throughout life versus I joke in the book about this archetype, Steve, you meet Steve and Steve doesn't know what he wants. He thinks he can't learn anything. He's drinking too much, eating too much, exhausted. He's pissing everyone off. How many of those people are really doing well? So I think you can see when you look at the sort of two extreme examples, I just think that these are not new concepts. I just bucket them away to make them accessible to people because I think these four things cover virtually almost all aspects of self-improvement. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? And I'll put a link to Elevate to purchase that on Amazon as well. Yeah. If you're interested on the business side, accelerationpartners.com, or you can Google that. All of Friday Forward, my podcast and my book are all at robertglazer.com. Thank you so much for talking to us about capacity building, spiritual, intellectual, physical, emotional. You got into details within each of those. I enjoyed a lot of it, in particular, the emotional part where creating that list of three types of relationships. I think it's something that we should all do and check in with ourselves on. How often do you think we should do it? Six months? Look, if you keep it, For a lot of people, there's a tool I have on the site called the Whole Life Dashboard too, like that lets you build this for your morning routine. But I think you keep that in your peripheral vision. So as you're going through each week, you see your lists. 
to me, the three of each is just a starter, but ideally you'd have it kind of longer. And as you're scheduling your priorities and that stuff, and you're looking across it, suddenly you start scheduling these people into your priorities. And that's why I try to create this one page document that keeps all these important things in my periphery. So when I'm doing that morning routine, I'm kind of reprioritizing every day. Thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend. Talk to you again soon. Thanks again. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Want to build mental fortitude, improve health, and grow wealth? Well, yeah, of course, right? We all do. Well, check out the Jason and Peely Project where Jason and Peely explore the lessons of growing businesses, keeping healthy and running long distances, all while creating a fulfilling life. Find the Jason and Peely Project on all your podcast platforms, and Peely is P-I-L-I.